This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. The last year we were speaking about Akhtas and Kalayasol, alternative movements, reform, conservative, etc. Um, the bigger, I guess, the, the movement that has aroused a lot more controversy um, or I would say the the, the, the um, movement that has many more facets to it is Zionism. Um, it has aroused passions for and against. Um, uh, yeshivas of the world has traditionally been at loggerheads with it. Um, Satmer and the, the Mizrahi for it and so on. It's a big, very, very emotional and hot topic. Less now than it used to be. But it still could use clarity. The problem with it is um, everybody says something, it's very hard to get a real sense of definition of what is, um, what does everyone hold, what has to be, just people just seem to spiral out of control in, in both directions. So let's put it in historical context on saying what it is, um, how it came about to be so controversial, etc. Zionism should be understood as part of that historical transition in the later 1800s. Um, the, f- the, the first half of the 1800s, and the, a- the end of the 1700s, the first half or, so, or a little more of the 1800s, produced hope for a new world. Religion became cast off um, to some degree, a lot, a little, um, enlightenment preaching, um, modernity, intellectual modernity, participation in society in general, and especially in its intellectual endeavors, had become the first movement. And then it splintered off into many, many different movements with the hope that the Jews would become assimilated in their mother countries and they would become equal citizens with their own distinct flavor and so on. And each and every country, um, the Jews in each and every country took on different flavors of how to deal with it. But the Tzad HaShavah was a rejection of, um, of, of the religion as the core of being Jewish, the supplanting it with a desire to have a similar core of identity as a Gentile, as a modern Gentile, and um, somehow fitting the Judaism into it if there was such a wish. And most people were not radical assimilationists, they don't want to become Goyim completely, but they wanted to have their, the, the bulk of their life um, modern and uh, enlightened and compatible with everyone else, and, you know, retain their own flavor and traditions. And then it splintered off into the socialism and communism, the revolutions, and so on and so forth. There was an earlier movement called Chovei Tzion, Chibas Tzion, which had started with from people, traditional people, who had seen the solution to the problem of the Jew in Europe, the physical conditions of the Jews in Europe, um, to get out of Europe and to move to Israel and form a country. It was a combination of a sense of maybe Akash Prabhu was angry with us for not having moved out to Israel, um, Maybe um, it's just the chi of the mitzvahs that's so neglected, we need to change it. 
and practically this is a place where Jews can live as Jews and there are no Russian Czars and there are no Polish, well there was no Polish Tsar, there, no, there was no Poland at that time, but um, th there are no Eastern European despots there, it's just kind of a very neutral land and we'll be able to be who we are. It was a combination of a strong religious identity and practical getting rid of all the problems of the Gaulas and so on. Now, in that framework came a second group that sort of took it over. As the and in the eighteen eighties the assimilationist tendencies, the assimilation trends, the assimilationist trends took a severe blow. There were lots of pogroms in Russia and, and lots of an anti-Semitism in Germany. Um, the pogroms in Russia were clandestinely organized by the Tsar and all of a sudden the dream of being um, equal Russian and equal German, etc. was dashed. And it was realized there is no hope for Jews in Europe. It will never happen. Now, the answer to that took on many forms and shapes. The non-ideological answer was that two and a half million Jews emigrated from Russia to America. This was between 1880 to 1914. You had um, this massive, massive, massive immigration to America. These were people that were sick and tired of being Jews in the, in the, in the pejorative of it. In America, if you worked hard and you had brains, you could become rich. Anti-Semitism, although it existed, was, was paled in comparison to Russia, where the, the laws were against, stacked against you, where uh, people didn't just express, um, they didn't just say nasty remarks, but they, but they pogromed. It was the solution for the vast majority of the people who just wanted to be left alone and, in, and um, live a normal life. And that's why, despite this huge emigration and immigration into America, um, Judaism did not take hold a root in America. Um, it, the, the second generation, the first generation held on to some of the things they were used to, to kosher and to um, shul and, and Shabbos, etc. Second generation held on to very little of that, and the third generation <coughs> was gone. There was <coughs> many of the Jews. The people who struggled with the sense of Jewish identity, um, it, the people who were very ideological said, no, Jews, for whatever reason, cannot survive as, um, cannot survive as Jews within another nation. It's an anomaly. You're always kind of the stranger, and that leads to an anti-feeling. It's like Mimanusha. If you go to America, become American. Don't tell anybody you're Jewish and just be American and forget about it. So then you're an American. You're not a Jew in America. If you're if you're going to if you're going to hold yourself to be different in any way, it will not allow you to become assimilated to that country. American will only assimilate Christians. Um, France will only assimilate Catholics and whatever it is, and that's that. And you're different. Face it. And the only way to express an identity will be through nationhood, because that is really the identity of a Jew. 
So religion is one of the aspects of nationhood, but certainly not the core. For instance, America tended, tends to be a Christian country. It was founded by Christians, and definitely a lot of its culture is very Christian. But it's not, it's not really, really a core to its definition. America could be a non-religious country, still be America, um, and so on. Jews are a nation. A nation is a group of people that act as a unit in terms of personal interests, in terms of mutually shared language, culture, um, interests, economy, etc., 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 and that is where they can realize it. So for many of the people in Zionism, and the problem is always, whenever you try to define Zionism, um, there's a famous <coughs> joke when <coughs> Chaim Weizmann came to visit I forgot which president was in America and maybe it was Truman or I don't know and, and um, he, he, he asked Chaim Weizmann very amused like I'm a president of 200 million people and you're president of 2 million people so like why is it that we're both considered presidents uh, you know our jobs are vastly different mine has so much more responsibility and so on to which Chaim Weizmann answered um, my dear president, you're a president of a 200 million people, I'm a president of a 2 million presidents. Um, that's what makes being a president in a Jewish land so difficult, in a Jewish state so difficult. Um, everybody in the Zionist movement wrote a book out, um, outlining his view of the world. They're not, everyone is different. They were all bright people, they were all passionate people, and everyone has his own Shittas and Deas. So when we define Zionism, we're kind of very, very stuck. <coughs> but generally speaking, th they looked as nationhood to become the core definition of being a Jew, and religion as one of the things. You know, it's it's it, it, there was there was a religion associated with Jews, and it's fine, and um, it definitely will find its place in the culture of the land. But it's far cry from. Um, being the core definition. Now, the problem with that is, I you could say, well, what's the difference? I mean, these are just ideological arguments, academic arguments in the back rooms of, you know, of never-ending caucuses in a, in, a, in a convention, and who cares? But it's just like being moda tavodazara is um, wrong, even if tavodazara happens to hold of all the mitzvahs of the Torah. Let's say I come along to somebody and I say, you know, um, I want you to believe in Jews for J. Um, I don't want you to change one halacha. You should have kafal shmeinet tzitzis and and shachaznish and everything. The only thing is also, but but to 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 bring in Yeshu also. That's not um, core beliefs. Are um, are Vedeus, Avodah is is an understanding of a core belief. And it says there's a lot in Rashi that even if you shame a kalatari kula, but you open up with a zara, it's kilim vatl kalatari. It's not the practice alone; it's the understanding of what is a practice. So we have a movement <coughs> whose core ideas and values are the antithesis of Torah. And the, now, who it is for better or for worse, the majority of the people involved, both in terms of numbers in terms of strength of position, were people with that feeling. So we now have a Zionist organization whose 
stated aim is to solve the problem of the Jewish people by moving to Israel, to build the land, to construct a state there, but the subtle theme is because this is what being a Jew is, and everything else is kind of secondary. If, if having a state means um, ha- having to eat chazer, because that's the only thing available to eat, well, that's what we'll do, because having a state is the aleph. Everything else comes second, and if we can, you know, if we can, if, if religion will flourish, there's so much the better, but if not, there's the priorities. There was the, the, the vast majority of the people in the convention, in the conventions, the conference, once it became a popular idea, the vast majority of people were assimilationists who did tshuva, quote-unquote, and had decided we cannot become Christians, and we cannot become Frenchmen, and we cannot become Austrians, it'll never happen for whatever sociological, psychological reason that exists, well, then we are a nation, and we're defined as such. Mm-hmm. There were different ap- attitudes between from Jews to it. Um, many of the Hamon Am were extremely taken by the idea. The reason being as follows. Um, it touched Eretz Yisrael. Eretz Yisrael always lay at the heart at the emotional heart of the Jewish people. So uh, if you came around and you said, I'm collecting stock for Eretz Yisrael, people gave. They didn't check your credentials terribly much because the magic words Eretz Yisrael, just, uh, th- there was such a powerful emotional um, contact. <coughs> it's like if somebody were to ask you, you know, um, I'm collecting money for mothers in trouble, it would soften your heart. You may you may a pesky guy might ask, well, what is that for the trouble? You say, well, you're collecting for mothers who happen to murder people, but but that's a very nobody asked that because the word mother is just so warm and cuddly that it it, it strikes a very positive note. Um, you know, we, we will um, when when somebody's up for capital punishment, um, people tend to be very you know somebody's murdered people. If you say she's a mother and such a loving person, it will warm people's hearts. We are we've been either it's hardwired or we've been saturated with that emotion and, and it's properly so. Klal Yisrael was saturated with the words Eretz Yisrael and therefore they lost, it, it was, they couldn't be discerning what's the difference, a little better, a little worse, it's Eretz Yisrael. And don't tell me, don't be mostly deeper on Eretz Yisrael, it's Eretz Yisrael. The, the question of what is Eretz Yisrael, uh, how do we define Eretz Yisrael, we seem to be academic. So sit down and define it how you wish, but we can all unite around Eretz Yisrael. Um, this added, th- that was one thing that struck a note of extraordinary emotional depth to the Hamonam. Secondly, it, 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 you know, it, it says that by by Yomas Paramachutzayim by Anchubnei Yisrael. So the the the, the ask, like when Parah died they should have been a little more relieved, a little happier. So Rashi says the worst Melech came, but still there was a pause. I mean, at the Leviah of the first Paro, they should have said, you know, Baruch HaTov HaMeitav or something. They should have been a little happier. Why is it very Anchu? And, and one of the answers is, um, when a person is locked in the hopeless situation, he's kind of frozen, doesn't think about anything, and he, can't even, he doesn't even complain about it because that's what he is. But give him a taste of an alternative, and then, he's, then he realizes how difficult his plight is and how intolerable. So you take somebody who's born a slave and he works as a slave. 
but then you give them a taste of freedom, then the slavery becomes um, very difficult. Kalal Yisrael had been oppressed. Their hopes of having a civilized host and a normal way of life had uh, come into open. And now they were told back into your cages again, Jews. You're going back to the pale again and so on. That was not tolerable anymore. The hope, and, and once you're talking about a Olam, you can definitely spin it the way you want. In Yisrael, a Jew would be a mailman. Imagine, in Europe he couldn't be a mailman, in Jew is going to be a mailman. We'll have our own army. They'll watch their own guns. They'll have generals. Goyim will come and they'll, and they'll salute. And it, 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 it touched home on a very, very um, raw nerve. Really, I mean, Klai Yisrael were, 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 were really in, in, in terrible stage, and this would, this, we would now become their equal. Um, imagine the same czar, instead of spitting at the Jews, would send an ambassador to the Jewish state, would request their help in something, and so on and so forth. So those were two powerful, powerful emotional um, I- 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 plexus that the, that the movement hit home. Some of the from Rabbanim, including the Nitziv, including many others, Hirsch um, Kalasher, and, and, and different Kufis, or early Kufis, later Kufis, but their feeling was, and of Cook, their feeling was twofold. First of all, what do I care what they think? We're in it for the right reason. Israel is right. A solution for the Jews' situation in Europe um, is, is needed, and Eretz Yisrael is the right thing. They're willing to build the land, they're willing to pave the roads, they're willing to fight for it. And the I- ideology? We'll wait. When, when, when we get there, we'll be married <coughs> and make people good. Rav Cook saw a much deeper uh, point to it. He said, um, in, in, in the Kufa of Ikvaset HaMashiach, so the word Ikvaset is the heel, it's, it's the part of the person that is the lowest, and it too contains life. Akarish Baruch is being Megala through, through the quote-unquote Apikarsim, how much Yiddishkeit in their soul. There's, they've rejected assimilation. They want, they want to be Jewish. They don't know what Jewish is, so, so they're, they're mixing it up. But down deep it comes from good points. They want to be most nefesh for Eretz Yisrael, for Kalal Yisrael. The, 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 this is the beginning of something good, rather than the culmination of something terrible. And that's why he supported it. And there were quite many Rabbanim that supported it, and many Rabbanim that sympathized with it. It was hard not to sympathize between, when you were caught between the, 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 the tug to Yisrael and the, and the um, oppression of Europe, not to be somewhat enamored with it. The ex- the, there were um, two groups that opposed it, uh, two groups, but I was saying broad strokes, the Hungarian community who had broken away from, who had been the, the, the major community in Europe to break away from the non-religious and had a very strident, canostic sense to itself of Mila um, any any organization, any affiliation with non believing Jews was possible me ikro. And it mattered not a whit what it was Nagaya and whatever. And Satma Rav, they actually were bigger than Satma Rav, Munkatcha 
Rebbe was a Muratorov was was he was considered strong kind of, but Zapmarov became famous because he survived and, and built up his big chesidus. Um, they they built their their front line was the absolute total rejection of anything whatsoever to do with um, with Zionism because it is non-religious organization. There was tons and tons and tons of argument about not um, in, not uh, um, uh, preempting the Gula. I mean, the, the Rebbe wrote an incessant amount of, about it. But the bottom line was, it was part of that big sheet of, he, you know, he bought the um split and cut them off and cut yourselves off. That was their attitude. It was um, the attitude of it was their attitude, it is their attitude, and, it, and it's almost like the shita. If you to ask um, um, uh, a Satmar what are your animaimans, the first one would be animaimin betsiyonis. And, and that's, that's the shita, that's called the shita. Uh, you go to a Satmar, it used to be like, I don't know, today, but when I was young, I used to go to a Satmar occasionally rally in America, uh, you know, a get together, not a rally against something else. And drush after drush after drush after drush was not to have anything to do with the Rishoyim, the Tzayinim, Yimachshimam, and anyone who has to do with them is also possible, such as a Gudah, such as this, such as that. Most kids didn't know what they were talking about, but that was kind of, that was the Shita. The Yeshiva world, yes. Just trying to get the timeline straight yeah. here. We're sort of talking about in the late 1800s still, or in the early no, 1900s? So, so the early 1900s started, <coughs> um, you know, the, the, the rejection it, it came into being in between the 1880s to World War One, let's say, and it was and and the, and the strong rejection. The, 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 uh, since this became since the, uh, the Zionist Convention, this was the first time there was a huge body of uh, Jews together. Um, in other words, basically, it was kind of a congress of Judaism. It prompted. A, a response from um, the Haredi Jews um, in the form of Agudas Yisrael, which was kind of the first time there was a pan-Haredi conference. Um, it was actually the same city, it was a Katowice, as against, against the, you know, it's, for the first time you had a <coughs> Congress of Jews claiming the title of Klal Yisrael. We've gathered together a Congress of people from all over the Jewish globe, and we represent Kali Yisrael and all its factions and all its members and so on and so forth. So the Haredim organized themselves and that was Agudas Yisrael. The Hungarians, the Sapmen, all of these people did not participate in Agudas Yisrael because they, they, they were, their shita was one, nothing to do whatsoever. They felt Aguda is kind of compromising. They, they did not have sympathy for that type of world for the, for the, for the, um, the Polish Hasidim and the, and the Lithuanians and the German Jews. So they kept a, a, a big distance, even though in some ways there was affiliation. Before the founding of the state, the Irachredis was under the banner of Agudas Yisrael. Agudas Yisrael sort of was a tent, but movements like Satma and even, uh, even Lubavitch kept their arms out of the way from, they, they were weary of any organization that would include many people because of the possible compromises of, of uh, ideology n needed uh, or a tacit approval of someone else that they don't approve of. 
Um, and it, it, it's the same problem. You, you always you dilute purity of ideology when, you, when you're inclusive. So um, the basic stance of the Aguda Thai people, which included the yeshiva world and many of the Polish Hasidus, uh, and the, the, the more, the non-Hungarian Hasidus, I would say, the Chartka, Rizhin, and all its Gezas, and, and, and uh, the Polish Hasidus, Alexander, Ger, etc., this was sort of all included. Their basic point was an alternative sense of who we are. Klal Yisrael is people that are minor Kodesh Baruch definition of we are an Uma through Torah. What we are is a nation that forged a covenant with God over the Torah. That's who we are. Um, now, as far as developing at Israel, living in Israel, there was an ambivalent feeling. It went something like this. We, re- we do not <coughs> wish to become part of the Zionist movement because we don't share the ideology that Kleist was essentially a secular nation defined by the trappings of nationhood. So they were not and would not become part of the Zionist movement. Um, they split severely from the religious Zionist because of it. They believed in developing the land of Israel and building it, but it has to be done on Torah foundations. They, um, they felt they were very, very weary of the Zionists. The Zionists was was a, was a juggernaut compared to uh, to the Aguda movement, which was like a fly. Um, but they didn't disagree over the point of going to Israel. The, the Hungarians, because the Zionists had made this the cause celebre, they rejecting Israel was very much part of it. They actively discouraged going to Israel. And but mainly you had all the inyanim of not to do it before Mashiach comes, etc., etc., etc. And only Yechide school ought to be there and so on. A goodest position was Eretz is definitely a very positive place. Echevin Yeshiva had established Yeshiva there. Ger Rebbe had been there a few times and tried to lay down some roots. Eretz was very much an agenda, but not on the terms or the association with the Zionists. One of the major one of their major planks in their in the platform was not to not to establish farm colonies on land that belonged to Karen Kayemet because then you're subject to them, you're with them, no association with it. That was pretty much the ruach in the in the um, in the Aguda type world. After the establishment of the state there was a radical change. And the change went as follows. It is no longer a voluntary association of people with an ideological common ground. The state of Israel is a secular state. It's not different than the state of Ghana. It's not different than Italy. There's a country, there's a police force, there are laws, there are consequences for not listening to it. There's a need on a secular level. A person, if a person pays taxes in Italy, he's not agreeing to the Italian shittas. Even if a person serves in the army in Italy, he, he's simply taking part in the secular process of a country. And secondly, it's forced on him. Don't have much choice. There, there's laws that enforce it. So you've got to you've got to take part in the process in so much as it is forced on you. 
and in so much as it deals with the secular issues, and also what you can do by being part of the process outweighs the stamp of approval to ideology. So, whereas pre, um, pre-founding the State of Israel, if you, if you became a member of the, sta- of, of the Zionist movement, you are saying, I share the, their ideology, but I have a minority opinion within that big tent. Afterwards, if you live in the State of Israel, you have a, a Tudatsut, whether you like it or not. It's there. Um, the government passes a law that you go to the army, you go whether you like it or not. You face arrest. You need to come on to the state for a tour. You need to come on to the state to ask for an exception. You need, and the question is now, you're going to be paying taxes no matter what. And the question is, are you going to try to get some of that money back for you, or are you just going to forfeit it all? Um, are you going to live like a, like a, like a gorilla in, in, in someone else's country and you can live without a, an ID card even though you can't get any medical help or you can't get this, that, or you're going to live a normal secular life that is expected in a normal civilized country because that's the reality of it. So Aguda opted to be part of that reality with the understanding that A, you're not establishing the state by joining it. The state is a fact and you're simply acknowledging the fact the state purports to be a secular entity. It, it, you know, even though the Jewish religion is recognized as the religion, but it's not. The government is all about where to put down the sewer pipes and where to, and, and which buildings to build and so on and so forth. Um, you're paying money to them, and some of it should come back to you. And by being part of the process, mm-hmm. you can help mm-hmm. alleviate mm-hmm. some of the issues that are very important to you. Those were the... Um, I, that that basically was sort of the a good approach to it. Um, we recognize its validity as a secular entity. We want to partake to be part of it, um, and simply because um, th- it's not possible not to do that. There are one or two famous um, stories that Rav uh, Shach always used to say over sort of time that. Um, it was one standing, that somebody was one standing in a marketplace, and there were ladies selling carts of apples, and some rough young guys came, and they overturned um, a, a cart of apples of one of the women, and she stood there bawling and crying, and someone said, fool, they're grabbing apples, grab some apples also, grab apples and put them in your pocket, at least you'll have something. And that was kind of the attitude, um, you know, the, the government is taxing you, imposing on you, don't just stand there and say, oy, 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 shame, shame, shame. be part of the process, you'll get back an apple or two. Um, a second um, story, a second type of uh, description of, of the attitude was the Briskarov, um, the Briskarov paid, I don't remember exactly if, it, if he paid his um, property tax or he didn't pay it, and then the government would used to send you, the, 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 the municipality used to send you a note that they're coming to, um, to take away some of your property. And those days a refrigerator was considered a luxury, so that would be valid for, to appropriate. Um, so the, um, so Biscroft paid his, his, his property tax. And someone asked him, are you talking to Tsiyanim? He said, all I'm doing is I'm being a kind pigeon on my refrigerator. In other words, I'm bailing out my refrigerator. What can I do? Somebody's only gone to my head and saying, 
I, you know, if you don't pay a thousand dollars, we'll take your refrigerator. So I'm allowed to take my refrigerator. It's not. I'm not approving. I am not approving of the thugs by giving them the blackmail money. That's where I need to live, and so on and so forth. So the attitude was kind of. Um, it's a reality. It's no longer taking approval. It's, we stand to lose completely and not get anything, and so on and so forth. So um, I, I guess that was the, the, the approaches and the attitudes of the people coming into it. You had a secular movement who saw it as being, um, for most people, this became the replacement for religion as the emotional core of being Jewish. You had um, Kanoim, whose attitude was, any contact with these people will, in the end, defeat you because your own feelings and ide- ideals and ideology will become a mishmash of good and bad. And then you had the, I guess, what <coughs> called the good approach, which was accept reality for what it is and work together with these people. Um, and the truth is, even on, it, it worked out with these people because you have to, the alternative is to lose everything. Um, and so on. Th- these, these, I guess, attitudes were true up until, um, I would say, a decade or two ago. Some important things have changed, and I don't know where it's going. Secular Zionism, as a, um, as a religion, has really become almost extinct. For the typical Israeli who's born, Zionism is exciting as, as uh, patriotism is to an American born in New York. An American born in West Virginia in a little town where still flies a flag and still has a soldier in Iraq and still um, you know, has like a little uh, um, somebody who's a survivor of the uh, Civil War that comes out, he's like 195 and he's prayed on every... And, you know, they still, they, they, they still have those little trappings. Th- th- there's a feeling of being American and that. For an American living in, um, in New York City, he's this, this person could be a Korean who was best in his class in college, got into MIT, is now working for a high-tech firm, <coughs> and is thrilled that he can now own an apartment in Manhattan. Americanism, you know, he's, he's very happy and it's fine, but the, the ideology doesn't exist because it, it just, that's not him. Um, the people who came from Europe, the people who went through the war, the people who did all these things, um, they, were, they were really people um, that had very powerful feelings. The problem with the new generation of secular Israelis is there are no ideological feelings. It's very hard to, to preach something that's there. They, they wake up, they open their eyes, they're, they're, they are interested in success, and as they begin to grow older and evaluate the situation, they see themselves as being in a country where economic ability is limited, where um, in terms of what there is to be had is limited, it carries great risks, and as soon as they're, rest, they're restless enough, they're limber enough, they'll trek off to someplace else and um, look for greener pastures. The sense of well, there was a there was this terrible East Europe, and it's that it's boring old history, and hardly irrelevant. 
It's like when we learn in American history about the, the terrible English people imposing taxes on us and no taxation on representation doesn't strike any emotional chords in us. Yeah, 1700s, uh, there was a king, and the king uh, put some taxes, and then they dumped the tea bags into the thing, and it doesn't, doesn't, uh, we don't live it. It's the whole of the Chaim just doesn't work in these things. So the Israeli secular world is going through a terrible crisis of not having a, an ideological identity that's perceptibly Zionist or Jewish. Um, the the um, the the, the community is firm in its opposition, but it's clueless. It's like we speak about the terrible voters of Kamosh and Peor and Amon. I really don't know what they are. I just know they were terrible things in Sakhet Sakhtena, but I, I wouldn't I wouldn't recognize a Kamosh person. I saw them. Zionists are the police that come and beat you up. So that's about it. That, that's uh, that's uh, that's the only thing about Zionism. It's it's so unclear. All it is is basically. If, if you know the people that beat you up are the Zionists, um, it's, so there's really a, a, a and it's almost an anachronism. It's like, why are you spending so much time and effort and, and learning so many more against something that just basically doesn't exist? It's, it, it's you're building your religion on things that are not relevant. Um, the uh, the yeshiva world and the Aguda world has its own issues because, in the attempt to integrate into a normal society, people go to work, people who interact with other people, it, it's the line when you work, you know, it, 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 I've seen it sometimes. You're in a city zoning board, and there is a chassid there, there's a panavijay yeshiva person, there is a, a vehement leftist with a long ponytail, there is a representative of gay rights, and um, and an old and an old Zionist who fought in six in six wars and has been decorated four times over. But they work day in day out in the same office. And they're reviewing plans day in day out, and they're and and they're basically decent people, and they get along reasonably well, and you know and and they they <coughs> learn to like each other, and so for their respective communities, whenever there's a public hearing, everyone stands and shouts, you know whatever you have to shout, but then when they work together, they kind of uh, you know work together, and 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 uh, it, it's it's strange, it, it's not not what you learn when you're in isolation translates easily when you integrate. But you, you do have to understand the difference and distinctions. Um, and it's a hard one. That, that's, it's part of a certain, it's a, su it's a subtle shift and change um, that I'm not sure where it goes to. I mean, Satmarov was right. If you have a contact with a person, you know, it might be heated at the first moment, but it, the contact tends to blur distinctions and differences and so on and so forth. But it was felt that it's very important to make that line. Um, how do we deal with it? Yes? I'm not quite sure what really is getting at with that last example. Would that be saying that the people who get involved in things do end up compromising on their values? And it will become like they have a hard time defining, so where are the differences? In other words, when practically we have to be together, they're not, they're not, so they're not demons anymore. And uh, some of their claims are, are, are seem to be sensible. Some of our claims seem to be sensible. I don't know. It's, I, all I can see is a change. Um, it, is, it becomes a problem um, on a public level. Let's say a person needs to participate. In, I mean, the Orthodox community, the Orthodox community has in itself these different components. People who are very, very pro-Zionist. Um, one needs to be wary and again, this is very much my, my opinion, if there is a Zionist group today that has taken the ideals of Zionism 
and in an unhealthy way integrated with Yiddishkeit, it's what we would call the very religious Zionist right. The people with payas and big yarmulkes um, conquering hills and so on, and the, sh- the, the leftist police dragging them away. And reading American comments, you get a very clear sense that the sentiment is very, very for these people. They're from, they're being most nefesh, it's all about its role, and how could Obama tell us not to live in this hill, that hill, the other hill? Um, the reason why I think that it's a problem, and I think it's, 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 a, it's, it's blurring the emis for us, Meshitas, is as follows. A, you can't take biblical, um, you can't learn Yashkafa from a Pasuk Chumash. In other words, Vakhnani Osbaretz, um, or Altera, you have to, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm fighting for you on this map. That's very true. Akash told Yeshua ben don't be scared, I'm fighting for you. We need to be scared. We, 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 Yisrael belongs to Klai Yisrael, Akash is Maftiachit. I have firm emunah that Akash will keep all of his promises. But the guiding um, factor for how we act is not by emotional psukim. It's not with Mr. Snefesh to a false god. And Afshach was, was very adamant about it. It's a practical approach to um, security. Uh, as all belongs to us, because Rochel promised it. Is this the Tkufa when it's, go- when it's, when it's becoming mm-hmm. ours? I don't know. M- someday we'll find out that this might have been a prelude to that Kufa, might have been a false Kufa. I don't know. But using sense and understanding as any reasonable person would that every battle is won with a balance of power diplomacy smart compromise I don't know what they are I'm, 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 I certainly not feel that I have any psychos to but it, it is automatic gut reaction that every valley that if somebody decides to, 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 to start a colony in, in the middle of an Arab city that we all are behind it because this is this city that's, that's antithesis to what our, our Shita and our Hadrach has been um, you, you, need to, to, you need to defend the country you need to do what it takes to defend it but starting a, a, a little colony in the middle of a big Arab city is not helpful in security ways even if it's even if it's a Kaddish Baruch who who said we'll have our Israel. I, I, I believe him, but is, is this the place and time to do it? Yes. But yeah, I mean, I assume that many of these people are relying not just on Pesukim directly in, 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 in Tanakh, but that there are also postgame who hold, especially the Ramban, of there's a constant mitzvah Well, well the, Ramban, the Ramban did not do that. The question is, you could conquer and settle by developing the country. You can buy land. I don't know. But, 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 but it, it, certainly the Ruach that we were brought up in in yeshivas was that it needs to be um, weighed and measured and so on. I want to add one more point um, which, which people bring up and that is about um, that the, since the Gdolom opposed the Jews going to Israel, that's why the Holocaust came and so on and so forth. And, and, and I, 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 I just want historically to, um, to put that to rest. Um, I see it as a bit late, so, and so maybe we'll speak a little bit about it next time. I think it's a very important issue because this is one of the issues that's been really um, bantered about 
so it is a bit late. We will talk about that point also next time, and then we'll go on to some other points.